Resilient Cyber Podcast brings you conversations from diverse cybersecurity professionals, ranging from executives, subject matter experts, and aspiring entrants. Today's diverse threat landscape requires systems that can withstand a variety of cyber incidents, remaining trustworthy and secure. Thank you for joining the Resilient Cyber Show. My name is Chris Hughes, along with my co-host, Dr. Nikki Robinson. Hey, everybody. Today, we're joined by John Meadows. John, thanks for being here. Thanks for inviting me, Chris and Nikki. Absolutely. We're excited to chat with you. For folks that don't know you, maybe haven't come across your work or any talks you've done, do you mind giving a bit about your background? Sure. So uh, I work at uh, Citibank. I am the head of cloud security engineering and supply chain engineering, uh, if that's a thing now. Uh, And... Um, I've put together uh, a number of papers and contributed to a number of papers around supply chain uh, uh, engineering uh, with the CNCF. We did a best practice guide there and uh, worked with the team to deliver uh, a reference architecture or, around a software factory uh, and contributed to some of the end user groups with the Open Source uh, Security Foundation. Awesome. Yeah, you've, you you have a, a, a lot of really great content out there, uh, which is why I think we're going to cover the gambit around software supply chain security and a few other things. Um, so to sort of kick us off, uh, one of the things I've been thinking about a lot recently, especially as we see software supply chain security more often, um, it's, it's really a hot topic for uh, lots of reasons. Um, but I think it's sometimes it's become almost a buzzword. And, uh, and it's not, it's bigger than that. It, it's a concern for security programs and projects. Um, so do you think that there, I, I'd love to hear sort of your opinion on sort of what are the top three big concerns around software supply chain security that uh, security leaders should be aware of? Yeah, g- great question, right? Because I, I, th- I think it's, it's good that it started to get a lot more um, prevalence and people are really starting to look into it as a critical area. Um, but I think one of the the big things for me is is trying to understand quite how how wide that problem is really and look at it from an end to end perspective. Often people seem to get fixated on one particular part of the problem, whether that's um, you know ingestion or s bombs or vexes and such, and really looking at uh, supply chain as as a, a sort of a critical problem. You really have to look at it right from the, the start to finish. Uh, really an end-to-end view of it when you're looking at it from an, an enterprise perspective. So right from ingesting software and testing and validating it through to building that software and ensuring that you have a good level of provenance around the, the software that you build. And then obviously when you distribute it to your customers or internally, you need to understand where that's gone and, and, and validate uh, with additional automated policy. So it's just such a, a wide breadth of an area when you think about the supply chain. Um, and, and you need to really look at that from a threat modeling perspective too, so you get a good understanding of of the problems you're facing. But also <clears throat> people need to think just not just broad, but actually quite deep too, because when you talk to people about supply chain, they might have a specific lens on on the supply chain just from a, a sort of hierarchy perspective. People often talking about open source software, for example. When I think about uh, supply chain, there's the open source software element of it. There's the vendor software element of it. There's the infrastructure with embedded software 
And then down below that, you've got telecoms, you've got networking. I mean, it, it just goes all the way down to the to like the bottom turtle, right? You, to keep, preserve your sanity, you've got to pick a, a particular point, but you've got to be aware that um, there is a supply chain concern, concern, potential concern right down to the bottom and make sure that you appreciate that or, or make an active um, statement to, to look in a particular area. And, and it's interesting, actually, when you talk to people in different industries also, they, they're fixed and focusing on particular parts of that puzzle. Um, so people in the finance industry are looking at a particular area, people, people in energy looking at a particular area, and, and, and often uh, different vendors somewhere in between. So just be cautious of which uh, which sort of layer people are looking at, but make sure that you've got that big, broad view and, and sort of threat model it. So, so that's kind of one of the, 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 the big concerns, but or the big approaches, I guess. Um, the other concern, though, and I, I don't see people looking at it as much, is, is around ingestion. So people looking at the provenance of build and, and looking at secure factories. But I think from when we think about it from an, a, an enterprise perspective, a lot of that focus is on ingesting open, open source software, software in general, and looking at how we test and validate that software is, is a key concern for enterprise consumers. Um, so, you know, if you're looking at, um, you know, a, a new business coming into this, that's really where I, I think people need to start looking at how are you going to validate that software? How are you going to validate that project or that vendor and do that in an automated fashion and really, you know, get that focus in, in effectively the front of that supply chain. Um, so I guess those are the two sort of big things I'd think about uh, or big things that uh, big concerns, I guess, in the area. Yeah, those are definitely great insights. And I loved how you uh, stressed the automation because it is such a complex myriad of, you know, dependencies and supply chain, uh, you know, supply chains upon supply chains, right? Suppliers upon right. suppliers. Uh, so automation, I think, is the only way we're really going to be able to scale that across the, the organization and the industry in many cases. Um, one thing you said is, uh, you know, you talked about different perspectives based on the industry you're in or the organization you're in. Uh, one thing I think we can all agree is uh, pretty unanimous in terms of attention it's getting is SBOM. Uh, and you kind of uh, threw me under the bus with your uh, comment about, uh, you know, the perspective piece. But so, uh, topic of SBOM and VEX, you know, what are your thoughts around where we're headed as an industry with SBOM and uh, subsequently VEX? And then, you know, for folks that aren't familiar with that, too, you know, what exactly is that and, and why do we need it? Well, it's, it's a great it's a great start. Right. I mean, the SBOM uh, focus is, is a great um, is a great way of bringing people's attention to um, focusing on supply chain and ensuring that we understand what we're uh, ingesting as consumers. So having the ability to have a software bill of materials uh, is a great uh, a great piece of that puzzle. But even uh, Dr. Alan Friedman um, from CSER is highlighting, look, it's it's uh, it's not a silver bullet. There's additional things you need to bring to the table. But start with that SBOM, but also look at the additional um, material you need to, to make those risk-based decisions upon whether you want to bring some software into your industry or not, or also understand um, you know, where the vulnerabilities lie within that piece of software. And that's where you, you look at uh, the VEX. Now, the, the, the VEX um, is a, um, a, a format um, that people are really focusing on a bit more these days, which gives you an understanding of not just, if you look at the SBOM, this is the components of that piece of software, but the VEX highlights what is that piece of software is not uh, vulnerable to. And that's really important for downstream users, where if you think about what they're gonna do with an SBOM, they're gonna take a look at it, take a look at the components and map to vulnerabilities. If in addition to that, you send them a VEX to highlight 
look, it's not going to be, uh, you know, we're not vulnerable to, to that um, particular vulnerability. So that's a real benefit um, for, um, for, for that end user. You don't need to start uh, hunting down those vulnerabilities. So what I'm trying to get to at is I, I think it's a great opening for, for, for the industry looking at SBOMs, looking at VEXs, um, and really starts to provide the materials that we need to make those uh, re reasoned calls on what, what what's happening with the software. There's a lot more additional metadata that we need in addition to that. You know, you got the S bomb. You also need to think about, um, and, and that's where I think the industry should start to look at is looking at the metadata around the company that's providing that S bomb. And that's often one of the questions: is you know, if you get an S bomb. How do I know that the company that sent me the S bomb is also, um, you know, sound? And did it actually have anything to do with the company that sent it in the first place? So I think that's where we're going to be starting to look at you know, how to widen that breadth of data that's coming into or we're sending out from cons from producers to the consumers, and what to do uh, about it. Um, which which is actually the, the next problem is what do you do with all that data? You know. Yeah, that's actually going to, uh, I was going to have a follow-up comment or question to you. I know you and I chatted a little bit about this is like, it's, it's getting to the point where I want to say it's trivial, but you know, creating an SBOM is, is, you know, becoming pretty fairly easy. There's a lot of great tools out there to use for this, uh, but integrating it into a broader, you know, cybersecurity vulnerability management program, that's another conversation. Uh, you know, where do you see, uh, I don't want to say gaps, but next steps of, of how we actually operationalize it as part of vulnerability management within an enterprise? Great question, and that, that's where we're heading next, right? So <clears throat> even when you get all that data, it's the, you know, the big question is, what do we do with it? And, and what do you do with an SBOM? And I think I think that's where, as an industry, we need to start looking at these products that provide, um, you know, provide tools that would allow you to um, assess those SBOMs and, and add that to your vulnerability management system, right? I mean, um, there's not a lot out there at the moment, from from what I can see, that that allows you to uh, to, to, to sort of view the S bombs and the vulnerability data uh, with it, and that's really I think that where the industry is moving next is that now that everyone's sending the S bombs and that data, what do we do with it? Um, and and one of the things I advise is just sort of look at the requirements. Um, we've published some data on this, but <clears throat> if you take a step back and try and figure out what what is it we're trying to do here with this data. You know, what are the personas that are uh, at the table uh, looking at vulnerability management, looking at supply chain management? You see there's actually quite a lot of different people you have to solve for. It's not just the developer and the application owner, but it's perhaps an incident response team or a third-party validation team. And they, each one of them have particular uh, use cases they need to satisfy. And when you start to collate all that body of material, you understand that actually the system that needs to take that data in is going to have to answer a lot of questions and have quite a lot of functionality on it. Um, and, you know, that's, I think, what I think is an industry we need to start to get together and, and surface those requirements and start to put together products that will provide a, a good capability where you can find out where that piece of software went or where those vulnerabilities are or how do I perhaps repave a particular system or which vendor it came from. Um, so that, that that's definitely where I see it going next. Yeah, I love I loved your comment about uh, you know personas and different individuals or entities within the organization that are involved because as you mentioned, it's not just you know the developer or the cybersecurity engineer, or, you know uh, analyst or whatnot from a vulnerability perspective. 
but we may also have folks from procure, procurement, you know, those kind of things involve acquisitions, uh, taking a look at if you're using a vendor, you know, pro even procuring a company per se, like there's a lot of aspects uh, in terms of that transparency that folks will be interested in. Uh, so I definitely think that a lot of use cases, a lot of uh, area of growth still to be explored on that front. Uh, one thing I wanted to ask you next is, uh, as you mentioned, you were involved in the uh, secure uh, uh, software supply chain, you know, uh, a secure software factory reference architecture, I should say, from CNCF. Uh, you know, do you want to talk about that project, you know, that experience and, and how you see organizations using this and, and also potentially how it could be misused or misunderstood as well and how, how to truly make use of it? Sure, yeah. So, so um, a good over a year ago, um, I, I got together with a, a couple of others uh, and, and presented to the CNCF suggesting that we needed a working group to look at supply chain security. And we, we stood up the supply chain security working group. And I really suggested we, we put together three pieces of material. Um, the first uh, document or white paper would be uh, effectively best practices from a software supply chain perspective. Just there's a lot of questions and comment around, but there wasn't really a, a single document that I could find that suggested best practices from a supply chain perspective. So that was number one. And then obviously as we were creating that, the second one would be an architecture or an, an overall reference architecture that people could look at just to get some experience about how to solve the, the and, and provide those, uh, those best practices. And then third, there was the um, suggestion we'd put together a, um, an open source reference implementation of this. Um, and that's what we, we've now actually implemented. So those materials are available over at the CNCF. We had a lot of great feedback from the industry, a lot of uh, great participants into all three of those different uh, different uh, pieces of material. Um, and the idea really was just to just to bring people's uh, understanding about how how wide this was again and and the different areas that people need to focus on. Uh, and then give them essentially a, a reference implementation that at least you can sort of check in, uh, check in with, see how it's it could be implemented. It, it was never in, uh, meant to be the way that it, it was implemented. It was really just an a approach, a particular pattern that people could uh, examine and, and build a better one, build a different one, but at least st um, plant the seed of uh, of an approach. And we're getting a lot of feedback from from people looking at it differently, and I'm sure people will start to provide commercial implementations in different areas, um, and, and that's fine. It just sort of shows people um, a, an example implementation of how to go. Um, it's never really, I just, I guess, to do a point, it wasn't really in, um, set up as something you would immediately switch on and use directly for production. This is definitely something that's more of a um, a blueprint of how you can you can go about uh, supplying securing your supply chain, um, but because I think in many ways actually the first document was perhaps the the one that uh, would provide more direct value to people, and that's the one that um, I keep referring people back to. We had so many people providing different insight into how they secure their supply chain. I think that's a great sort of uh, almost roadmap, if you will, of thinking about how you'd secure your um, source code management, your CI and, and, and your entire ecosystem and how to go from effectively zero to something that is actually quite secure. And we have different levels of security within that um, to help people. So um, that was kind of the intent. That was the genesis of those three uh, pieces of material. I'm really proud of the, the teams that put that together. Um, 
Uh, it's a great, um, great team of people. Uh, we're still working on it at the CNCF, and also we're doing work at the open source, the OSSF as well. Um, you know, great community of people working together on this stuff now. Yeah, that's awesome. I feel like this really has been one of the one of the communities, one of the areas that I feel like people have really banded together and trying to help each other sort of figure out what this means, because there is a lot of complexity. There's there's a lot of unknowns, I think, uh, in creating um, an SBOM and creating a secure software supply chain program, uh, supply chain engineers now. Um, and, and with that, we touched on a little bit of the complexity. And I'm really interested no one will be shocked by the human element. And I'm, I'm curious about uh, how you feel about how us as people are able to digest this information, use this information, um, be able to integrate it into our programs. Because, um, you know, there's always so much information that we can take in and use. And there's so many, there's so much complexity around how many teams are involved now as well uh, that sort of have to integrate and communicate and collaborate together. So I'm just curious how you feel about uh, sort of the human element around software supply chain security. Yeah, yeah that's a that's a great question. And it's often overlooked. Um, and and it, it sort of um, points to the complexity and the size of the problem, right? Uh, you know, as we said a, a little bit earlier, the, the huge amount of um, content and data coming in, it, it's going to be incredibly difficult for people to make an appropriate opinion, right? So I think it's it's difficult from that perspective. You, you're going to have to have huge amounts of automation to make it easier on humans to to have the appropriate uh, um, decision on whether to, to use a piece of software, what to do if there was actually an issue. Um, but I, th I, think, I think an element that we haven't quite got to is also how to use that data. Right, so so if you're looking at uh, writing a piece of software and you're looking at using uh, vendor and open source software, how do we provide that data to the developer to give them uh, an indication of whether it's has a better supply chain uh, level of security and, and maturity uh, versus something that doesn't? And also, how do we as a, a developer look at our project and understand, well, actually, I'm only using these libraries, uh, a couple of APIs from these libraries, I can actually reduce my um, supply chain exposure by removing some of these um, these libraries or, or rewriting it in a different way. And I think we're not quite there yet. There's there's, and there's, there's a couple of tools out there or people looking at uh, some of this, but I think that that's the human element by being able to provide that data in a meaningful way to developers and different people within that supply chain so they can make that appropriate decision I don't see. I don't quite see those tools yet. Um, the one, the one project that I will call out that I've seen doing a good job on this was the um, the Envoy pro uh, project. They um, they've they've got some great work out there where they start to look at the supply chain, look at the attack surface, and try to put together policies and approaches of reducing or, or focusing on the security. Um, and I think they had they had a, a, a good positive outcome from that. But it looked like they were doing it very manually. It'd be interesting to see how, how we automate that again. Because um, yeah, I think it's a it's an, it's not uh, it's not as focused on as I think it probably should be at this point. Yeah, one thing, I want, one thing I wanted to ask you real quick, a uh, follow up question to something you said there. You talked about kind of empowering the developer to understand you know, maybe the security uh, concerns of a certain component or something they're using, that kind of thing, right? And part of the development workflow. Any thoughts around how we do that? Uh, both, you know, tooling wise, but, you know, culturally as well to get them to want to take the time to take a look at that in, without slowing down the velocity of delivering for the business and, you know, delivering business value, you know, the age old security uh, paradigm we find. Right. 
Yeah, I mean, absolutely, it's the age-old problem, isn't it? And and I think the the way it, it's you know it's the usual shift left approach, right? But if if we think about the the implications of of taking in uh, a piece of software that is not quite there from a, a secure supply chain perspective, chances are, or there's a higher chance you'll have a vulnerability in it, or there's that opens you up to a security issue, which means. You know, a couple of minutes spent trying to make sure you have the right package or a package with a higher level of security, uh, supply chain security up front means you save a whole slew of vulnerability management on the back end or potential, um, uh, you know, exposure. So I think I think that's the, the sort of um, incentive right there is it's going to save you, potentially save you time and, and, and risk. Um, and I think it has to go back to tooling again. In the, you know, I... I if I'm developing some software, I need to have the data right there in the IDE to give me that heads up that not only has this library got certain vulnerabilities, lots of tools are doing that right now, um, but also give me enough metadata in an ingestible form that would allow me to make that decision that two libraries doing the same thing roughly, that one has a great OSSF scorecard, scorecard uh, score, for example, this one not quite there and you can make those decisions based upon that data yeah i love where you're going with a combination of tooling uh you know you mentioned the scorecard which is another great resource uh that we hadn't touched on yet uh but like empowering people with the tooling and also you know uh, explain the value of of saving the time of having to have people like us come to them later on in their life cycle and say hey we need to fix xyz you could have fixed it a long time ago and saved yourself some time um so i like that perspective it's going to be a combination of tools and, and people and processes no doubt about it um, Absolutely, and and I think I think it's it's a bit sticky as well, right? Because if, if you if you depend upon a piece of software, and you know the longer you're depending on that software, the harder it is to change to something else, right? So it's not um, it's not a case of just fixing one particular vulnerability. Now you've got you've got some work cut out if if you've used something that wasn't quite a, where it should be from a supply chain perspective and you haven't touched it for quite some time that's that's going to be some uh, some lift from a development standpoint yeah then you have to kind of uh, tease out the implications or you know, impact all those kind of things that it may have making a change. Uh, one right. thing I wanted to ask you about, we talked about, you know, OpenSSF, we talked about scorecards, we've talked about CNCF, you know, which I dropped some links to the uh, supply chain best practices paper and the software factory paper in the in the comments. Another great one is SALSA, the, the supply chain levels for software artifacts. You know, how do you think that fits into the conversation around software supply chain security? And, you know, what's the utility of this, uh, this, uh, this, uh, you know, kind of guidance? Yeah, again, it's it's sign of we're trying to mature as a community and looking at how we can, um, you know, pine upon the relative maturity of some of the, um, you know, the, some of the supply chain considerations, right? So it also provides those multiple different levels, and 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 I think that's a, a, a good a good approach, good way to start. Um, but but actually, one of the things I'd, I'd sort of um, make sure that we start to look at is is what you have to do before you get to salsa. Um, Salsa is is really good when you already have a, a good level of maturity from a security, a hygiene, and a supply chain perspective. It really, you know, uh, turns the security uh, level up, so you have a good level of provenance at some of the higher levels. But there's a huge amount that organizations need to do before they get to the point where Salsa um, Salsa comes in. And in my view, um, a lot of the basic hygiene. Uh, things that people have been talking about for for many many years need to be in there, um, you know, before you start looking at salsa. 
So I think as people come to um, be looking at supply chain, perhaps for the first time, uh, an SME or a small business, you know, what I'd suggest is look at, look at the basics, make sure you do the basics right. You know, plug that best practice paper, perhaps take a look at some of the, the, the real basics around that. Make sure that you've got that good level of cyber hygiene and then start to look at the, the higher levels of salsa. Um, you know, um, when you start to look at supply chain, you've got to, you've got to define that bottom turtle, otherwise you drive yourself mad. But I think you still need to implement that bottom turtle uh, or someone needs to. So, um, so I think, uh, I think it's a great approach and I'm looking forward to seeing more from the, from that team as it, as it evolves. Um, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Good, good point there. And, and I wanted to touch on, cause we've been sort of uh, chatting about what does vulnerability management and risk management sort of look like in this space. And I'm curious from, from your perspective, when you're building uh, a vulnerability management program or maturing a vulnerability management program specifically around this space, uh, do you feel like there's, uh, cause it seems pretty pretty apparent to me that the teams really need to work together um, and to, to sort of build this program. Do you feel like um, that's sort of happening now, or maybe we need some more integration between the two teams? I think people need to talk about it more, to be honest. I, I think, um, you know, I keep going on about the siloed approach in certain areas, but when you, when you look at that program and you realize how many teams need to be at the table to have a supply chain program, um, that's where you start to pull out the, um, the, the size of the issue, right? You've got to bring the vulnerability management uh, team. You need to bring the build management team or the build team. Huge amount of work on inventory, huge amount of work from the ingestion teams. So, um, yeah, I think it's part of a, a wider program. We need to bring those teams and, and, and tools together. Um, but I think just, just having that conversation to start with and starting to map out kind of the scope of a program uh, that people would have to put in place to to provide a solid supply chain program. That's, that's probably the first step. Um, and we are starting to do that as part of work from the CNCF and OSSF. So it's good to see, but I think we've, we've got more, more to come in terms of that, uh, that conversation, I think. Yeah, you've touched on a lot of interesting points in terms of the number of teams involved, the complexity of this entire endeavor, you know, for an organization and just the, the complexities of the ecosystem and the way we develop and consume and use software. You know, my question for you is, you know, when you start to look at this uh, supply chain risk management more broadly, uh, you know, obviously you have MSP, CSP, you know, all these things going on. Uh, you know, how do you approach this for a small business who may not have the resources of a large financial institution or something like that? Yeah. You know, where do they even begin and how can they, you know, kind of bolster their their posture on this front, but not drown as well? Yeah, really, really difficult point. And I, I think, I think it's great to see the open source community try to come together to provide some of those answers and capabilities uh, and, and, you know, in industry partners contributing back to open source software to, to help uh, everyone um, address this issue. Right. Um, Cause I, I think there is a lot more material now out there in open source that people can leverage. But I mean, my, my advice to uh, smaller businesses, as you're saying, it's just such a massive problem. It, is uh, you know to start with the basics. Just start with that basic hygiene. Reference back to that paper again. It'll start to show you some of the basic capabilities you need to put in place. Start with perimeter security, decent hygiene. Scan everything that comes into the bank using the tools that you can, um, in in many cases, have uh, an open source tool or a uh, perhaps a more affordable tool, and start to slowly build up that program. I, I think that's so important to slowly build out that program rather than just go straight in at the top. 
and look for um, you know quite a siloed uh, approach. You know, perhaps um, you know sign everything and have huge amounts of provenance is great, but if you don't have um, you know the basics in play or perimeter control or any of the ingestion uh, gates, uh, it's not really going to do you a great deal of good in, in in the end game. So start with the basics, start to build that up. Um, and, and, and to that end, actually, we're, we're going to be doing some more work with the open source communities to start putting out uh, and working with teams to talk about this more openly about how you would start to put that program in place. So um, th there's definitely more documentation coming to, to assist. But start with the basics, I'd say. Yeah, I really like that advice. Uh, for one, I'm looking forward to the additional guidance. I think it'll be a great resource to the industry, much like the supply chain best practices and the reference architecture. But I think for small businesses, it'll be you know hugely welcomed in terms of where to start. And also, I like you know you're starting with the basics. Uh, you know, it, it's very useful and very similar to the you know journey of zero trust. You know, uh, you can't just buy one thing and just throw one tool in there. You know, it's a journey, it's a process. But you know, you got to start the foundations and build from there. Right. Uh, you, you know, you know what I, what I do. I, I I threat model it as well, right? I mean, I start from the basics, but do basically a threat model, and and you know, our model, threat model is different to to your threat model. So actually, threat model your environment and your supply chain, and look for those points where you know, based upon that th your your particular threat actors and your particular situation, you see those weak points and start to focus on that, because. With it being so large, you just can't hit everything immediately. Um, and I think it gives you the ability to focus your resources appropriately if you start looking at it that way. And, you know, again, in open source, we've, we've open sourced a sort of a high level threat model that people can take a look at, um, you know, but build your own and take a look at that and so that you can focus and start to step that up. Yeah, I think that's awesome is the threat modeling brings it to the perspective of the organization, you know, versus like uh, just a broad, you know, best practices. It's very broad. You know, you, when you threat model, you're starting to look at it from your perspective. What's relevant right. for us and where do we begin? So I'm sure folks like Adam Shostak and Robert Herbert and other folks out there are excited to hear threat modeling being emphasized. Um, so last question I had for you, too, is, you know, there's a lot of talk, obviously, around cloud native environments, you know, infrastructure as code, containers, you know, things of that nature. Uh, how do you think they play into the software supply chain conversation, given that, you know, you can pull them from open source environments? You know, you have uh, registries and repos out there. You can go grab IAC manifests or container images. You know, how do they play into the conversation of software supply chain? Well, I, th I, I think at the end of the day, it's it's still software, right? I mean, it's um, it's it's um, there's a huge amount of benefits from cloud native computing. Uh, you know, we, we, there's the huge amounts of uh, documentation, the material around uh, around that. It's 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 absolutely the way forward. End of the day, it's software, right? So just with any software, whether it's a library, whether it's a vendor piece of software, whether it's a um, you know a, a switch with embedded software, you need to test it and evaluate it. So Make sure that you're, you're scanning the uh, images that people are ingesting. Make sure that you're scanning and reviewing infrastructure as code or any uh, data that you're bringing in. I mean, effectively, it, it is an, a part of that supply chain, and um, you know it must be a tread like that. So, um, you know, I think it, one of the clear best practices you, you cannot, under any circumstances, just pull an image off the internet and throw it straight into your your uh, system, right? Um, there's there's huge amounts of documentation to highlight, you know, the, the risks of doing that. So use the tools available, make sure it's part of your program and, and scan accordingly uh, everything you're bringing in. Yeah, great advice. Um, 
Well, so I'm going to take us to our last question uh, before we take us out for today. Um, so based on sort of based on your experience, uh, especially around software supply chain security and even vulnerability management, uh, what does uh, cyber resiliency mean to you? Cyber resiliency, I mean, that, it's, it's great as it pertains to supply chain, right? In that, look, there's so many different um, vulnerabilities and issues out there. You need to be resilient and aware of what um, what could be coming at you and ensure that you are in a position to react to those challenges as they evolve uh, and, um, and surface, right? So ensure that your supply chain um, has that level of resiliency in it and you have the ability to react if a vulnerability comes through. And I think given the the um, the early stages really um, of the, the, well, the, the focus on supply chain, obviously it's been there for decades, but people really starting to look at it in a bit more anger now, we really need to be looking at our resilience uh, from a development standpoint, a vulnerability standpoint and uh, a supply chain perspective. So that's, uh, yeah, I think, I think cyber resilience is a key point when you're looking at uh, supply chain right now. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, well, before I take us out, uh, we talked about some of the projects that you've worked on and have been working on. Uh, can you tell the audience where to find you, other things you might be working on that might be of interest to them? Absolutely. So obviously there's uh, LinkedIn as always, um, but uh, we uh, are um, continuing uh, to, to work with the uh, the OSSF and CNCF in the working groups, the CNCF uh, um, um, supply chain working group and multiple great uh, work work streams within the OSSF. Um, there's a lot uh, we're doing with the others in the industry around securing uh, software as well as um, supply chain, um, particularly around the Alpha Omega work uh, and the integrity uh, work. Alpha Omega, by the way, is such a great um, open source project. I, I think that's um, uh, definitely one to watch and one to contribute to and, and look forward to meeting people there. Anything in OSSF and CNCF. Awesome. Thank you so much, John, for being here with us today, talking about all things software supply chain, security, vulnerability management, uh, all, all, all of those things. So thank you again for joining us this week. That'll take us out and we'll see everybody next week. Great. Thanks for inviting me. Thank you.